confess. Every knee will bow. Do it now. Don't wait until then. Turn with me back to Ecclesiastes in chapter 7, verse 21 to 29. Actually, I'm going to be looking at a couple of verses, but 21 and 22, on the heels of what we looked at last time, but I'll read a, a few more to see how the chapter ends and to set them in context. This is God's Word. Verse 21 of chapter 7. Do not take to heart all the things that people say, lest you hear your servant cursing you. Your heart knows that many times you yourself have cursed others. All this I have tested by wisdom. I said, I will be wise, but it was far from me. That which has been far off and deep, very deep, who can find it out? I turned my heart to know and to search out and to seek wisdom and the scheme of things and to know the wickedness of folly and the foolishness that is madness. And I find that there is some, I find something more bitter than death. The woman whose heart is snares and nets and whose hands are fetters. He who pleases God escapes her, but the sinner is taken by her. Behold, this is what I found, says the preacher, while adding one thing to another to find the scheme of things, which my soul has sought repeatedly, but I have not found one man among a thousand I found it, but a woman among all these I have not found. See, this alone I found, that God made man upright, but they have sought out many schemes. Thus far, God's word. Let's pray together. Lord, we lay ourselves at your feet. We pray that you would take your word and apply it to our hearts and lives. Help me to preach your word in the power of the Spirit. Use me as an instrument in your hand. Protect and guide me. Don't, don't let me say anything that's not in accord with your word. Help me to preach your word. Rightly, accurately, truthfully. And help us to hear it in the power of the Spirit as the Word of God, as you ministering to our souls, lifting high your Son, showing us the way, and following Him. Work in us a growing love for you, Lord, a growing love for one another, a growing love for neighbor, flowing out of a love for Christ, because you have loved us first. And sacrifice to yourself, Lord Jesus. We are no longer ours, we are yours. 
Help us to grow in living for you and in that reality. So bless the preaching and the hearing of your word this morning. Help us, Lord. We can do nothing apart from you. We ask for it and trust for it in the holy name of Jesus. Amen. Don't you look at me so smug and say I'm going bad. And the life that I live, I know that I'm not perfect and that I don't claim to be. So before you point your fingers, be sure your hands are clean. Judge not before you judge yourself. Judge not. If you're not ready for judgment, whoa, whoa, whoa. The road of life is rocking, and you may stumble too. So while you talk about me, someone else is judging you. Judge not before you judge yourself. Judge not if you're not ready for judgment. Whoa, whoa. That great Jamaican theologian, Bob Marley, in a song called, Judge Not. See, we're in chapter 7 today, and we're in verses 21 and 22, um, looking at a small sample of text. But in this text, we see another symptom of life in a fallen world. We see loose tongues and hypocritical judgment. I know you've experienced those. See, Solomon has been pointing us above the sun. He's trying to convince us nothing here will satisfy us. Nothing here will stain, sustain our joy. Nothing here lasts. We have to look above the sun for true joy and satisfaction. And throughout, as he says, vanity is vanity. All is vanities. All is temporary. We're here for a time and we're gone. And while we are here, be sure we don't try to root ourselves here and make this our home, but look above the sun to God, to fear Him, to love Him, to live for Him, to grow in His grace. Solomon, as I said and I keep saying, is shaking us, telling us, don't try to find your joy and satisfaction here. He, he talks about some good things like wisdom. Wisdom is better than foolishness. It's better to be wise than foolish. But wisdom won't answer all your questions. God hasn't even tried to answer all your questions. Faith is called for. And there's plenty of ground for it. So as he points out good things and calls us to enjoy what God has given us, not to worship it, but to worship God, calls us to be wise and not foolish, he over and over and over calls us to fear God, to reverence Him, delight in Him, hold Him in awe, love Him, seek to live for Him. And today is probably one of the more convicting things we could talk about is how we use our tongues and how we judge one another with our tongues and over the use of our tongues. You know, I was struck by this passage as I was uh, preparing for this sermon. You know, the word's always timely. It's timely for me. I need these reminders. But we need to beware of loose tongues. 
Your tongue belongs to Jesus if you are following him. And you need to use your tongue the way he used his, for the glory of the Father, out of love and deference to God, out of love and deference to your brother, and be very careful that you're not using it as an offensive weapon. You need to use your ears in a way that glorify God. And be sure that you're not simply judging people by the law, not thinking of your own self, and we'll talk about that. But yes, it's true. A symptom of life here in this fallen world will be loose tongues and hypocritical judgment. How do we overcome them? How do we overcome them? We need to be careful both in how we use our tongues and how we judge others' use of their tongues. We need to use them for good and not use them for bad. And sometimes, sometimes we expect others to use their tongues better than we use our own. And we need to stop that. How do we handle this dire situation? How do we struggle? How do we stay in unity? Even though we have unglorified tongues, we are all on the way. Solomon points the way forward in these couple of little verses. And I think there's much instruction for all of us here. So I, I was struggling with the main point. I just decided to let you choose. Um, but I titled this, Taking Cursing to Heart. And we'll talk about cursing and what cursing is, and it's more than just foul language. We'll see that in a minute. But the main point, uh, I had a couple of things. Give others as much grace as Christ gives you regarding your speech. Or, be harder on yourself than you are on other people's sins of the tongue. Look first at take cursing to heart by not being too hard on others. Look at verse 21. Do not take to heart all the things that people say, lest you hear your servant cursing you. Do not take to heart. Do not be digging. Do not be watching. Do not be too involved in digging out everything that everybody's saying. You might even find those close to home cursing you. Do not be the speech police. Oh my word. The Net Bible translates it this way. Also, do not pay attention to everything that people say. It's good counsel. And when it says take it to heart, do not take to heart, it means give full willful attention to everything people are saying. Over and over Solomon said, I applied my heart to, and then this thing he's applying his heart to. It means he closely examined. I promise you, if you sift the language of everybody around you, you're going to find many faults. And if you die on every one of those hills, you won't have a good reputation. He says, don't take it too seriously. Don't be too quickly offended. Don't let it hurt you or pierce your soul. Even evil things that sometimes people say about you, be careful that you're not just looking at them through the law and taking them too closely to heart. 
Beware of closely examining everything. Beware, I mean, you may not use this lingo, but in the South, nitpicking. Don't be a nitpicker. Don't nitpick one another to death. Don't be looking for faults. Don't be taking up other people's offenses. There's so many ways we get in trouble when we use our ears without the gospel. I'm not saying never correct things, never confront things. I'm not saying that at all. You know the rest of Scripture comes in there. But don't be a nitpicker. Mostly mind your own business. There's wisdom in few words too. I'm not running off at the mouth. Either social media or wherever. It says you might hear what you don't want to hear. Constantly digging, watching, spying, taking account of everything. Everybody says you're going to hear things you don't want to hear. It might or will come back to bite you. And, and Solomon here is, is, is saying, lest you hear your servant. He's just using that as an example. Hear your servant cursing you. Don't take to heart everything people say. Don't overly sift it without grace. Don't be quick to take up an offense. You might find out more than you want to find out. What is cursing? Most of the time when we hear that word, we think foul language. And that's true. That's part of it. And when we say don't curse, we could be talking about don't use four-letter words or however many letters that particular word might have. That's not all of them, by the way. But the word here is not just talking about foul language. It's talking about uttering a wish of evil against someone, calling for mischief or injury to fall upon them, speaking evil of them or wrong about them. It's misusing our tongue. We can be doing that in gossip when we talk about people or, or, or when we're angry, you know. I'm not going to lay out even some of the curse words that are calling for condemnation on people. But cursing includes foul language. Root it out of your life if you're a follower of Christ. There is no excuse for it. It is an offense that should be removed. But also, there's more to cursing than just foul language. You could never say a curse word and be the worst cursor in the church. And the way you talk about people and talk to people. and Look at the Shimei. I don't know if you guys remember Shimei. Sounds like he's shaking. Right? <laughs> but when David was running from his own son who was seeking power. And Shimei from the line of Saul sees it as a time to take up an offense. Now, yeah, he eventually does get his. But this is an example of what this same word means by cursing in what Shimei was doing to David. So I'm just going to read it and use it as an example. But it says when King David, verse, verse 5, 2 Samuel 16, 5. 
It'll be up on the screens. When King David came to Baharim, there came out a man of the family of the house of Saul, whose name was Shimei, son of Gerah. And as he came, he cursed continually. But thankfully, we, we get to see at least some of what he was saying. You know, it's not just he's out there using curse words. And he threw stones at David and all the servants of King David. And all the people and all the mighty men were on his right hand and on his left. And Shimei said as he cursed, Get out, get out, you man of blood, you worthless man. See, he's cursing right there. He's taking the wrong side. Right here. The Lord has avenged on you all the blood of the house of Saul. That's not what's going on. In whose place you have reigned. And the Lord has given the kingdom into the hand of your son Absalom. Nope. See, your evil is on you for you are a man of blood. That's a lie. I mean, he was a warrior, but he's, that's not what's going on. Then Abishai, the son of Zeruiah. There's always those zealous ones around, right? Why should this dead dog curse my lord the king? Well, he's doing it too. He's ready to sword. Ready to get him. Let me go over and take off his head. There we go. Law coming out. Sword coming out. Let me kill the cursor. He's evil. David's forbearance is amazing, isn't it? He's picturing Jesus there. And his call us to follow him. The king said, What do I have to do with you, the sons of Zeruiah? If he is cursing because the Lord has said to him, Curse David, then who then shall say, Why have you done so? And David said to Abishai and all his servants, Behold, my own son seeks my life. How much more now may this Benjamite leave him alone and let him curse, for the Lord has told him to. See, he's, he knows God's providence. He's, he's okay. It, it may be that the Lord will look on the wrong done to me and that the Lord will repay me with good for his cursing today. Notice he didn't say it may be that the Lord will see it and kill him. So David and his men went out on the road while Shimei went along the hilltop opposite him and cursed as he went and threw stones and flung dust and the king and all the people who were with him arrived weary at the Jordan, and there he refreshed himself. So much more there than I can say. But look how David treated this person who was really throwing some, I mean, throwing rocks at him too, real rocks. But that's an example of cursing where Shimei was mad, he was angry, he, was, he, he saw his side winning, he saw a time to vent, and he was just letting it rip on David. Saying all sorts of wrong things about David, even in his presence. Speaking roughly and harshly with no concern about what his words would do. And the king bore along with him as the king does with us. Beware of listening too hard. Be careful about being offended by every little thing people say. We're tempted to do so. 
If you hear slips of the tongue, give judgments of charity. Have gracious ears. Don't just hear through the law, but hear through the gospel and extend grace for slips of the tongue. Proverbs 19.11 Good sense make one, makes one slow to anger. Boy, we saw it in David, right? And we certainly see it in Jesus. And it is His glory to overlook an offense. We struggle sometimes to overlook an offense, to let it go, to let it... To... Now, I'm not saying you have to let all go and there's never a time to comply. I'm not saying that. There sure is a process to go through before you do. Peter says, above all, keep on loving one another earnestly since love covers a multitude of sins. Where love abounds, offenses are frequently overlooked and quickly forgotten. Dr. Shaw said this in his commentary on, on this section. Um, he said, we are all guilty of sins of the tongue. As a result, we should not be too hard on others when we hear them commit the same sins. Solomon's advice here is sound, for our tendency is to hold others to a much stricter account than we hold ourselves. He's right. We tend to apply the gospel to ourselves and our faults far more and far quicker than we do others. So let's flip that. He says, he says our tendency is, is to hold others to a much stricter account than we hold ourselves. Let's flip that. Point number two, you see it from verse 22. Take cursing to heart by being harder on yourself than you are others. Some of you might have been thinking that, well, we just let everybody get away with everything. We never, there's never a time to speak again. No, see, there's a balance here. There's a balance here. So flip what Dr. Shaw said. Take cursing to heart by being harder on yourself. Police yourself first. Anytime you're tempted to take offense at what somebody has said, police yourself first. First, remember that your sin is the biggest problem you have in this moment and in every other moment. People don't like to hear that. They especially don't like to hear that in counseling when their spouse is, in their eyes, being bad. They hate it when I look at them and say, you are your worst problem. They don't like that. I have to say that. You know why? It's true. They may be acting out more than you are right now, but you are always your worst problem. You have everything you need to walk successfully with Christ if you're married to Satan's sister. You did it. Listen, look, what it, look at what Solomon is saying. You know, your heart knows how many times you yourself have cursed others have spoken wrong about others, have thought wrong about others. Have, you may, it may not even come out your mouth, but sin starts in the heart. Of what Solomon is saying, don't be too critical, and by all means, avoid hypocritical judgment. 
Don't be little speech Pharisees running around. Jesus said, and listen, this is one of the most abused texts in Scripture. That's one of the reasons I wanted to use it. It's Matthew 7, 1-5. Judge not that you not be judged. For with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. With the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. Don't contemn, right? Now, Jesus talks about what He means. He doesn't mean never confront, never judge anything. You know, in Corinthians and other places, we're told to do so. There is a place for church discipline and all other sort of forms of at least righteous judgment. But what this text is about is avoiding hypocritical judgment. Look at verse 3. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye and do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when there is a log in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the log out of your own eye and then you will see clearly. See, there is a time to address, but there's a whole lot of self-examination and application of the gospel that needs to come before that. First take the log out of your own eye and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. See, we usually get that backwards. Here's our natural tendency to see it. To see it as a log in my brother and sister's eye. And yeah, maybe I have a speck in mine. That's the natural man at work. The natural person at work. Most of the time, we go around beating people to death with the log. It's meant to be funny. It's meant to be a funny mission. I said miserable image. Mental image. That draws a picture for us of a log coming out of your eye and you're just whacking people to death with it. You should see other people's sin as a speck in comparison to your own. You should see yourself as the chief of sinners and not them if we're applying the Gospel. Not never judge, not never confront, but by all means avoid it doing it hip, uh, uh, hypocritically and pharisaically. Because if we're not careful, we forget our own hearts and our own failures and we come at others as though we are righteous in the authority. Be, yes, be careful. Examine yourself first before you try to deal with the speck in your other eye. I mean, what is the other point of the mental image? You can't even see the speck until you get the... You can't see it rightly until you get the beam out of your own eye. Solomon says, you know yourself many times you've cursed others. Be careful about looking for it, finding it, and then being legalistic about how you address it. First, see yourself. Now here we go. If you're chafing and saying, never confront anything, you're just going to talk about just letting everything slide. No, I'm not. First look to yourself. First clean up your own house. And first examine how you are doing in your thought and speech before the Lord before you hold another accountable for that. Ephesians 4.29. How are we doing? Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths. But only, in case you didn't know what that means, we're going to flip it over, but only 
as is good for building up, as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only that which is edifying, fitting to the occasion, and will give grace to the one who hears you. Who has done that perfectly today? <laughs> but we are to be striving for that, right? We're to be focused on that and shooting at that. Like an archer with an arrow, he doesn't just say, well, I'm never going to hit it exactly in the middle, so I'll just shoot it over here. Kill somebody on the side. No, we're, we're aiming at the bullseye. We're not hitting it yet. We will be glorified. We will hit it. It's like saying, love the Lord with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. I'm not peeking in your windows, but you hadn't even done that today. Not perfectly. But you are, you, are, you are to be committed to aiming there, to glorifying God with your tongue, to not speaking hurtful things, to not cursing, not just foul language, but you know the other examples that we've used. But speaking, look what it says, that it might give law to those who hear you. No, that it might give grace. Speaking better than they deserve. Being quicker to forgive than they deserve. See, grace doesn't give us a license to just let our tongues go. Some of us are living like it does. And listen, when I say tongue, I mean everything. That's a, that's, that stands for all of your communication. That's why I'm always, con, I'm always warning you to be careful on all forms of social media that you are glorifying God, that you are loving God and loving neighbor and honoring Him in everything that you say, represent. It's hard, I know. I know it's hard. But man, we have a gospel responsibility to aim at it. Strength also gives grace to others. The strong among us if we're not careful, if you tend to be a strong person, you're just going to do what you're going to do and say what you're going to say and, and people have to deal with it. That's not Jesus. It wasn't David. It's not what God calls us to. In many ways, we are to bear with the failings of the weak. It's hard when we need to apologize when we don't think we did anything wrong. But we do. And we probably did. If someone's offended. Speech is so important. Don't go sifting everything everybody says through the law without the gospel. Don't go just letting it rip because of grace. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths. Only building up. Don't judge one another. Be extending grace. There are times to speak when true offense is there. And both sides have a responsibility to work that out. But we need to be really, really thoughtful and careful about what we take to heart. Because you can get offended every day if you want to. And you can offend every day if you want to. Think about David. 
look from David to Jesus and how much forbearance he had when he was under attack and being falsely accused and being uh, crucified and, you know, opening not his mouth. You know, if, if, if we don't take to heed both sides of these two verses we're looking at in Ecclesiastes, there's no way we can dwell together in unity. Deny yourself. Sacrifice yourself. Take up your cross. Eat the offense most of the time, probably. Extend grace. Reconcile. Go the extra mile. Don't dig in your heels. Follow Jesus. Walk together. Even though you might have a different mind on things. Don't take things to heart too quickly. Don't fail to consider the log in your own eye. Look to Christ. Walk like He did. Behave like He did. And behave as one of His. Colossians 3, 12 and 13. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts. Kindness. Humility, meekness, and patience. Bearing with one another. I've said that before, and we talked about this not too long ago. If it was easy, he wouldn't be using those words. Bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, you must also forgive. Immediately, in your heart, extend forgiveness. There's no excuse for walking around with bitterness. Fun topic, right? Remember what James said, we all stumble in many ways. We're not perfect yet. We're not glorified. We're going to misuse this thing called a tongue. And we're going to misinterpret other people's use of this thing called a tongue or a type or whatever way it goes forward. You can't have the cross and not overlook offenses. You can't have the cross and not eat sin sometimes. You can't have this cross and not strive to glorify Him with everything He's given you. You, have, you can't have the cross and not sacrifice yourself sometimes. We all need to focus on Jesus. Love and live for Him. Love and live like Him. Grow in grace. Help one another. Sometimes, yes, we do have to confront one another, but do it in love, looking through the gospel. Have examined ourselves first and respond with grace when someone is offended, even if you don't think they should be. Sorry is hard to say, isn't it? But it should be easy in Christ. So just a few points of application. I'll let you go home and meditate on this fun topic it's necessary though it's necessary we struggle every day don't we don't be too busy trying to hear everything everyone is saying don't be a busybody don't be a nitpicker you are sure to find untamed tongues in here look around 
None of these people are glorified yet. I'm not peeking in your windows. I just know you're not. Jesus had not come back yet. You haven't died and are in his presence. So you're still here. You're being sanctified. You need grace and you need to extend grace. Please be gracious in how you evaluate one another's speech and how you speak to one another. Number two, be ruthless on yourself in the gospel. Be ruthless. Don't just read Ephesians 4.29 and say, nobody can do that. I'm not... Because if you do, I'm going to make it next week's memory verse. No. <laughs> but I would encourage you to memorize it. Be ruthless on yourself for Christ and in Christ, in the power of the Spirit. Remember, why did Jesus come? Because we were so lovely and worthy of Him to come save us? Uh-uh. Because we were sinners who deserved condemnation. Jesus came and lived under His own law and fulfilled it in thought, word, and deed. For the glory of the Father, yes, but for the good of His people so that our record could be His record once He died on the cross to pay for our sins. Why did Jesus go to the cross? And from the cross, think about that. Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. Hanging there. The people that... Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. He was buried. He was raised the third day according to the Scriptures. Proving it's all true. Appearing to more than 500 at once. Ascending to the throne. Reigning now. Told y'all before, no matter who's in the White House, Jesus is on the throne. Amen. Nothing's changed about the mission. Nothing's changed about the success of the Gospel. But be ruthless in looking to Christ and saying, He did that for me. Remember, not just in general. He did that for me. To cleanse me from my sin. To fill me with His power and Spirit. To grant me His perfect record. So that my account before God now, having trusted in Jesus, is perfect obedience. Because I'm in Christ and hidden in Him. And I'm now a child of God. With the Word of God and the Spirit of God so that I can walk in a way growingly. Don't expect perfection yet, but aim at it. Growingly in a way that glorifies Him. Be ruthless on yourself. Today I'm talking about speech. Be ruthless on yourself in your own speech. By not just looking at the law, but looking, yes, looking at the law and seeing your failure, but then looking to Christ and seeing that He has washed that sin away. He has empowered you to be different. He has set the example, so walk the way He has walked. You can't just say, don't judge me. <laughs> You're not off the hook. Be ruthless on yourself. And be quick to say, I'm sorry. And listen, don't take up every offense. Please. Lastly, deny yourself for Jesus and his sheep. And that's on both sides. The offended and the offender. Deny yourself. Look to him. Forgive as you've been forgiven. Confront wisely, having prayed through it. Look through the gospel at it. Making sure it's not one that we should let love cover. And then we need to get together. And reconcile with the gospel in Christ right in the middle of us. Solomon says, don't look at too much. Don't evaluate too much. Don't pay attention to everything that's said. Don't take it to heart. 
because you know yourself that you have cursed others as well. You're in the same boat, a sinner needing grace from a holy God. And we have it in Jesus. Trust in Jesus and love and live for Him. The song said, So before you point your fingers, be sure your hands are clean. Judge not before you judge yourself. Judge not if you're not ready for judgment. Fairly good summary from the seminary in Jamaica. What we're looking at here. Let your judgment of others be with mercy because we, you are fully aware of the log in your own eye. Someday our tongues will be completely tame. Praise God. It's hard to imagine, isn't it? It's hard to imagine, but it, it will be true. Remember that your record before God is perfect speech in Jesus. Now live growingly in light of that and see the forbearance of your Savior and make it a glory to overlook an offense as much as you can much as possible. Be very diligent to apply the gospel to both your speech and your ears. Jesus is our righteousness and redemption. And his call to us, as we said before, is follow me. Let's follow him. To live is Christ. Let's pray. Lord, help us. Help us to see everything through your cross, Lord Jesus. Help us to see you on that cross for us specifically, paying the penalty for our sins. Help us to, to, to realize that you purchased us. We are yours now. And you've given us everything necessary for life and godliness. Your word to tell us how to speak. Your, 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 your spirit to empower us to speak in a way that glorifies you. And to be real when we don't. And to look through that cross and your gospel and your grace at our brothers and sisters and their failure. And be quick to forgive. Be quick to let a lot of things pass. Be quick to reconcile when it's necessary for your glory and for our good, Lord. For there be any listening to us, Lord, who don't know you, we pray that you would save their souls. That you'd grant them repentance, a humble heart that repents and trusts in Jesus alone for salvation. Those of us who do know you, Lord, help us to, to um, be more and more like you in our forbearance and in our speech. Help us to realize how far short we fall, how much grace we have from you, to see ourselves as our biggest problem and extend that kind of grace to others. Thank you for hope that someday the struggle with the tongue will be over. There'll be no more sins of the tongue. There'll be no more offense from the sins of the tongue. There'll be no more failing you in the way that we think and speech and speak. Until then, 
Help us to be graciously ruthless with ourselves and graciously merciful with others. Apply your gospel to our hearts and make us more like our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. It is in His name that I pray. Amen. Stand with me.